On this episode of the Peter Panda Podcast, we're hiking to Sheep Camp with my big brother Adam Munich and Meat Eater's own Giannis Patelis. Join us as we climb high into the Colorado wilderness in pursuit of alpine bighorns. And when I say alpine, I'm talking about 12,000 vertical feet plus. These fellas both struck gold when they drew their sheep permits, but that was only the beginning of what would become some of the most formidable, rewarding, and at times even dangerous hunts of their lives. So moments before we got started here, 20 minutes ago, Adam has a brand new puppy. His name is Waffles, and uh, it decided to come chew right through one of our power cords of our, of our recording equipment here. So we were brought to a grinding halt, but Adam ran into Radio Shack, which is still a store. Oh, you guys were already recording? No, no. We were setting up, hmm. and it was like we were about to start, and then snip. Power cord gone. And Adam was like, I'll run into Radio Shack. And we even had the discussion. was like, is Radio Shack still a store? Like, is that something that we still go to in a retail space? And it is. But they, it was disappointing for you, huh? Yeah, well, I walked in, and the first thing the guy says is, you can't help me because it's a 24-volt <laughs> uh, power supply. And I, I don't know that much about electricity, but it, it didn't seem like that, that much was yeah. needed in order to get it going. But uh, we were able to... What did you do? Did you jog over to Home Depot or yeah. something and buy that stuff? Yeah. yeah. So you just spliced it back together, yeah. and here we are. But in the half an hour that that took, I got a hold of my good friend Giannis Patelis here, and he was able to come jog over to my brother's house and join us for this podcast because we were going to try to record something tomorrow, but it didn't work out. So here is Giannis and Adam, and we're sitting in Adam's basement, uh, North Bozeman right now. Yeah. And both you guys were lucky enough at one point to draw Colorado bighorn sheep tags. So work, that's Adam. what we're going to that's what we're going to talk about today, the uh the Colorado sheep. And I'm looking at Adams right now. He has his shoulder mounted up above his desk and it's a beautiful mountain ram. And I'm excited to dive into your adventure and the story of that herd and it's just so crazy how it all tied together with Giannis's good friend being the actual biologist down there. Yeah, Giannis right. then drawing the tag, a, a similar Colorado tag last year. And uh, okay, so you're 21. Cool. Yeah, last okay. year. Okay, great. Yeah. So let's start in 2020. I'm sitting at my desk at work, and I get a text from you after the Colorado draws came out. You said I just got dinged for a lot of money. Like Colorado like non-resident tags are not cheap. Yeah. So you dive into that and how you got the news. Was it a letter or an email? Oh, it was just a dramatic enough charge on the oh, Chase okay. account that I was, I was like, oh, okay. And we're not holding funds like they used to or anything like that. So right. that was enough for me to, to log in and find it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you never have any expectation that you're going to that you're gonna draw that. But I was – so I, I was in for six years. This was my seventh year of applying. So the way Colorado does it, you got to have the three – uh, what do they call that? The three standard points, your base, and your base points, points, and then you got three on top of it. So, so not that many people rack up, you know, yeah. 10, 20, 30 sheep points astronomically, western states. long odds. Yeah, but you I remember are. looking through the regs when you and I submitted together, and yep. that was they hadn't had a non-resident tag in that unit the year prior. They were opening it back up, 
and we were, you know, commenting on the fact that it was a wilderness hunt. And that would the, that would be the way you'd want to do it. Yeah. Never did I think we would ever think of that conversation ever again. You know, you throw it out there and right swing for the fences. Do you know how many other people applied, non-residents, for that one tag? I don't. I, I remembered. You know, the math gets hard because of the way that they year to year, depending on who puts in where they do it. Yeah. But it's it's look. fair to say it's one percent success or less, probably on these tags. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like, well, it's hard to say it's because hard to say you, you know how many people applied, but you don't know how many points they had. Okay. You know? So how many points were you sitting on when you drew? Uh, I think around 11. Okay. 10 or 11. That would still be considered drawing it pretty early, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But, you know, only 100 non-residents applied for that tag. Okay. So if all things were even, yeah, it would have been 1%. 1%, but they're not. So somebody with – 30 points was probably putting in too. Yeah. Possibly. Hard yeah. to say. Both of you guys have previously lived in Colorado. You yeah. went to school there. Yeah, right. So I moved out to Colorado in 2005 and um, wasn't really into hunting, but logged a bunch of time in Southwest Colorado where looking back, it would have been nice to be at least accruing points. And yeah. Things. And I, it was, <laughs> I take credit for you finally getting on board with it because I barked up your tree enough yeah. there where you started applying and started building points uh, for everything you could and i did as well yeah i mean I, you were into it going back into high school and you found your way into it and i never did and it then came to a point where it was like kind of something to do something for us to do you were going to make a trip yeah. down we were going to go and do it it would give me something to prepare for train for uh get out and shoot and uh and do that type of stuff so that's i was late to get in on points and then to have moved to montana two years to to shift over and then all of a sudden draw it with six points as a non-resident after leaving I, what's crazy is i can name three people in the bozeman area three non-residents colorado that have drawn tags in the last two years now mm -hmm. so i think the boat you have a bozeman address this is a bozeman address here isn't yeah. it mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. they're handing them out to bozeman if <laughs> bozeman want to kill a colorado sheep just start applying somewhere um so when you were living in Colorado, were you see it? Were you familiar with Colorado sheep and sheep country? How much time were you spending? Uh, oh no, no, definitely not. I mean, maybe like familiar with goat country from going into skiing, yeah, and stuff like that, and you know, come across sheep where you see them type thing. But never my my real introduction to sheep would be just joining you at sheep show. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first bighorn sheep we ever saw together. We were on a road trip with our parents in Colorado, and I saw a bedded ram on some mountain pass we were driving over. No one else saw it, and I got my dad to turn around. And we went back, and sure enough, there it was. A, I was like, I knew I saw something. And to me, a kid from Cincinnati looked like something out of a sure. Dr. Seuss book. I'd never seen a big ram like that before. But the state of Colorado's got tons of historic sheep habitat. And the story of the sheep across North America is that it's nowhere near the, the range of sheep today is nowhere near what it was, uh, you know, 80 years ago. So tell me about your district. It's a wilderness area that previously had had sheep. And then there was a die off or a fire. Yeah, they did do a transplant at one point, maybe like 15 years ago. Okay. 12 to 15 years ago, I want to say. So it's native range that the sheep have left for a die off or a burn, which is typical to what happens to a lot of native sheep range. 
And then the state of Colorado reintroduced sheep into this particular area. Right. And so since that reintroduction, there certainly wasn't hunting going on when there was no sheep there. And then there probably was not hunting going on in the first couple of years after the introduction. So this is kind of a newer district in, in recent history for re- reopening. And you knew it was remote and that's why you applied for it? Yeah, maybe for the first time seeing those early, you know, maybe like native to that that group yeah. actually grown up now and you were going to see the older ones that maybe were the first born out of that transplant or something. Yes. Yeah, so it's been a decade or yeah. so of mature sheep are now in the district. Uh, what did you know about the area? Just, I mean, a remote wilderness, right. And so we knew, uh, quickly, we were able to get in touch with some folks through your network, previous tag holders, found some previous, uh, a previous tag holder. And the story was just, you know, really remote, got to get up there and then they can be really spread out. And so there were kind of two different distinct areas that we could choose in the North or the South. And so we kind of targeted the South that we were going to hit that area hard, but we knew they were spread out and it was going to take some time to find them if you haven't hunted colorado before it's real easy to suddenly be at like really high altitudes which is not normal for alaska or montana which is where i spend most of my time we're in colorado when we got to go on that hunt suddenly we were up at 10 to twelve thousand feet which is really new to me but super normal in colorado <laughs> it helps when you're leaving the truck at seven or eight. yeah yeah <laughs> relatively it's still uh the did same you feel vehicle. it oh yeah and i didn't think i would i was just like dragging ass i could keep going but i was just slowed down i was taking way more breaks it just felt like lethar like someone had darted me with a tranquilizer or something so to be fair the the hike in was, was a pretty long grueling hike and it was like 90 plus degrees yeah that was super, a brutal day super hot let's back up just a little bit because we got to preface the uh the second half of your season which is just as statistically unbelievable <laughs> so you get this big charge on your credit card you got a colorado sheep tag I remember being just as excited as you were, just as anybody would be sure. if they finally yeah. draw a bighorn sheep tag. And then was it the same day or the next week? When did when did the next? Uh, oh, it was event weeks happen? later. And I think like the the funny part of this was just explaining to Megan, my wife, like this is truly a once in a lifetime thing. This wasn't supposed to happen. We're, we're I'm going to be committing time and resources to this it's sheep. A, it's hunt. A money. This yeah, is those a, tags. You drew it. Now you got to pay for it. Yeah, but beyond the financial commitment, that was already paid. It was like, I've got a big year ahead of me getting ready for this sheep, and I'm going to take it very seriously and, and make the most of this. So explaining that to her and, and wrapping her uh, head around it, she was super supportive. And then it's probably four or five weeks later. It was a bit later where okay. I got I got the same exact charge on my credit card. And so I called CPW. I was like, uh, do you give me my money back. Yeah, I appreciate the, the sheep tag, but I'd rather not pay twice for it. You know, <laughs> the, 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 the cow's like, well, they're, you know, they're doing the moose drawing right now. Why don't you sit tight? I, you know, it looks like maybe you drew a moose tag. No way. It's like, how? Uh, yeah, we're into like bizarre, bizarre stuff. It's now. so funny so, that it happened in that order, though, that like you did it, you didn't get an email. It was like, you drew a moose tag. You saw the credit card charge. And you're like, damn it. Like they double tapped me. <laughs> yeah. And then you've called the state and inquired about it. Instead of like seeing your moose drawing odds, they were like, uh, no, Mr. Munich, uh, we believe you've just drawn a moose permit as well. There's a good chance that I didn't realize that moose was still outstanding. I would have been so blinded by being successful in the sheep sure. that everything else would have fallen away. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, 99% of the stuff we apply for, we don't yeah. get, right? So it, they do kind of go by with, without notice. 
What's so that's what happened. What's amazing is that same year, my buddy, who's a friend of Ethan, who you talked to, who mm-hmm. had the tags that were prior to you, um, our our uh, buddy drew a sheep and a goat the same year that you drew sheep and moose. It's nuts. In the same year and with your minimal points, you know, you don't have a lot of points for either of those species, six, you said. So the compounding odds of that happening to you, I think we've kind of rough like it has to be somewhere between like one and ten thousand or one and fifteen thousand like that's depending on how many points people have if you got less than one percent times less than one percent is less than one in a thousand i had people hit me up asking for my confirmation number the date and time that i submitted the tags like there's there's some people putting oh really oh yeah Yeah. bring out the haters man (laughs) which is so funny because they're going to try to replicate they were just trying to i think just see if there was something that they could We've joked about it. We're like, you got the right birthday. You got the right amount of letters in your last name. You got the right address. Yeah, not that there was anything illegitimate, but just that, like, maybe I had cracked a code accidentally. <laughs> That's got to happen to you, too, Giannis. I mean, when you – I remember when Jason Matzinger draw two bighorn ram tags. People were like, conspiracy. It's like, <laughs> no, he's just the luckiest dude ever. Uh, I'm not a firm believer in – State lottery conspiracies, certainly not for us for no reason. Well, yeah, so, I mean, you know, explaining to Megan then that, you know, this what it was hey, actually a once-in-a-lifetime. Remember in a that once-in-a-lifetime thing I told you about? It's happening again. Yeah. And I'm spending more thousands of dollars on yeah. a second expensive Yeah, we were pregnant at the time, and it was a busy year. It, it was also kind of like a – it was a very strange year with it being 2020 and yeah. all that stuff going on. So, uh, in, in a way, it was kind of like isolating, just – like I had this thing to focus on. And in yeah. the other way, it was, there was a point where you were wondering if it was really going to like impact the ability to go. Uh, so the overlapping dates, you mean, you're like, good Lord. Am I going to uh, be able No, to- no. Just like with the, like COVID craziness mm. and like all that with, with 2020, uh, it made some of that stuff difficult. Some uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. everybody probably experienced a hunt getting canceled or something yeah, right. like that. Um, so there you go. You got a moose tag and a sheep tag in your pocket and you did, I'll give you credit. You really owned up to this. You would have done it with just one of these tags, but you were like, this is incredible. I'm going to make the most of this. So you got after it all summer long training, organizing your gear. Yeah. Well, remember I had, uh, I had a hip surgery that ended up getting infected. And so I earlier in 2020, I had a pick line in my arm and I was going through all sorts of therapy and stuff. So to draw those tags, I just took physical therapy and getting out of that and just continued to ramp it up. And so I had, yeah, yeah. I had the motivation like before I drew the tag that I was already like, I got to get back. Yeah. That's, you were hiking early mornings with weighted backpacks. You'd never yeah. done a, a real mountain hunt. We'd backpack hunted elk together before, but this is this is a special type of alpine yeah. hunting when you've got to go to the Colorado peaks because we ended up you ended up harvesting your sheep somewhere around twelve thousand feet, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. God, it's up there. We're trying to put together that ibex hunt mm-hmm. and looking at hunting in Asia at like fifteen to seventeen thousand feet. I don't, I don't want to believe that like it would affect me that much. Oh yeah. But it did. Did it affect you? And what you were up at similar elevations on my sheep hunt. Yeah. You know, surprisingly it didn't, but I also lived there for a lot of years and I don't know. You're also like all an the, ultra runner. All now, the running so. that I do might've helped, but yeah. Cause I have had troubles in the past, especially sleeping at altitude. Oh yeah. yeah. Tossing and turning. Yeah. More. Yeah. Just like not really getting good night's rest, anything above like 11,000 and huh. skiing those peaks. I remember, you know, getting up there and just feeling lightheaded and, oh, yeah. you know, not really like 
being able to focus and just being like, you know what? Better get off this hill pretty as fast as I can. But I'd like to see a like a bell curve or a, some kind of visual chart that shows like the dissipation of oxygen like past like 8,000 feet. It's the air's this thick. Just like the exponential drop off. Yeah, because I think probably after 10,000 feet, it's going away really quickly. Right. Like you get to the death zone of Everest, there's nothing left. Um, so you got you got trained up, and yeah, we all headed down together. Tell us about going you, in there you, for opener. Did you do any scouting? Yeah, so I had some time to go down during the summer. Was able to hike in there, spend some time. Got into was finding ewes, but never really found rams in my scouting. But again, it was it was such a big area that even in this the smaller area that we were going to target, I had probably only seen you know, 30% of it or something. So just getting into sheep and knowing that I could find them, that was enough for me to go in with the enthusiasm that, hey, we've got, you know, a group of, of guys that are coming up. Uh, the, yeah, the, I, there was you, excitement. In, you, me, and Randall Williams, Yep. we headed down there for for like a week. I think we had all allocated like a week right. together. Brandon so, Wynn and Riley. And Anderson Brandon Wynn and Riley. And so many people got involved in this by the, Brandon by the end the of it. Yeah, so I had the confidence that we had the eyeballs there. And, you know, I hadn't seen rams, but I had, I was getting into sheep. But the hike, you said the hike in was a hot, kind of shitty hike. And I'm, it's coming back to me now. I kind of blacked that out of my mind. I remember all that sheep hunt, but I tried to forget that part of it. But it was an awful grind of like, tell us about the yeah. hike. I mean, Randall took his pants off. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he was hiking in his underwear. <laughs> it was... It was like offensively hot. Yeah, and it wasn't even like hot. Like it, I feel like you get sunburnt quicker at elevation. Is that is there science behind that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Less so atmosphere. We're just getting cooked, man. And we go thirty five hundred, four thousand feet that day across. I don't remember how many miles, but it was up there. I remember thinking it was really cool because it was archery elk season, and we there were if you were archery elk hunting, you would be in a lot of people and you would have been like you know worried about pressure and thinking that. and i yeah. remember thinking this is really something special that we're walking past these guys and and going up into different country yeah, yeah. you got the keys to the castle <laughs> like we're going up top man yeah i remember we ended up really cool. seeing quite some bugling elk on that trip too higher than the hunters are <laughs> so uh i'll i'll add details where i can but walk us through the that first week in your district i mean the heat was was a big storyline right mm -hmm. and that ends up causing problems for us after a few days but it was we spread out and we were up on the continental divide and we'd all head different ways for the morning head different ways for the evening people were finding use we were finding bands you know like but not nobody's finding rams not a single ram. right and it's, i've been on several hunts before where you get a couple of days in and you're not finding what you're looking for and you start I don't want to say like you get desperate or something, but that you do start splitting up like without fail. Like maybe the day before you go glass together in the morning. So you're like, Hey, we got time. It's all good. And then you start getting on the tail end of a hunt. And you're like, let's spread out. I remember getting let's real clear with you on what a legal Ram was going to be right. Like, like, where am I at? <laughs> yeah, the expectation fell. What is it quickly. in like Colorado? Half, half girl. A half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's different. Montana's three quarter. Yeah. So just sitting there talking. And Alaska's full. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you just start you start uh, making concessions with yourself and like uh, you don't see a ram for five days and you're like, 
oh my god i hope i see anything you start like i hope i could just i don't have forever to hunt up here like i just hope i can get a ram there was the fact that i had a ton of help and mm -hmm. we weren't finding rams and i knew that help was going home right at some point that's stressful and i was gonna have to make the decision to explore a different area on my own or maybe come back with a different game and it was like i man, remember I really that weight building on me too it was like i because i had to leave you after the first week and randall had to leave you sure. and riley was headed to montana like you were going to be alone after that um potentially and that was stressful for you knowing you're going to have to go navigate into the, the back half of hopefully what you can turn into a successful sheep hunt and everybody's leaving you yeah yeah so that was that was stressful so what the hot weather i remember uh kicked up several wildfires across Colorado while we were there one of which got real close right on the I think the third day we I mean the whole time we could look out at night and see fires yeah there's a glow out. you yeah. could see it like at night from camp you could just see like glow across you know maybe a range in the distance yeah 15 miles yeah. over there you can just see a wildfire roaring well one of them started where we were just on the opposite side of the continental divide and it was putting smoke I mean, I've never been in a situation like that. It was putting smoke directly over camp, and we were having real conversations. They were declaring, a, like, evacuation stuff across the wilderness. They closed it down. Yeah. Yeah, and so we kind of had to come up with a game plan of getting out there. At this point, we were – we had hiked quite a ways from the original trailhead. Right. So we were having to think about maybe exiting out Hitchhiking some back. different areas. Um but we were also looking at weather and we had a blizzard like coming in eight hours. Which is just so weird that we were like, a lot of these wildfires are going to go out, not because the rainstorm's coming, but a damn snowstorm's going to come right. and snuff out this fire. I, there's a picture of Riley and I at camp with uh, the ridge behind us in the background and there's all this smoke up over it and it's glowing red and it's one of the most like apocalyptic like hardcore nature photos yeah. i've ever looked back on it, it part of it didn't feel real safe but we knew like this fire is getting closer to us but we're watching the weather and at midnight we're supposed to get a foot of snow yeah it was not safe I and mean, there's there's divide in camp on whether or not we needed to get the hell out of there <laughs> snow aside i mean it was it was too close it, for sure it was a real unique <laughs> i had never been in a situation like that before then or since and like tangoing with a wildfire is kind of spooky mm -hmm. but the weatherman didn't lie and that night a huge blizzard blows in on us and literally dumped a foot in a couple hours yeah i mean go to go to bed worried about the fire wake up and we didn't really leave the tents two for, days for two days yeah we ended up riding out that following it continued day to snow it continued to snow and it so that 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 first day that it, it was snowing and we we woke up till that it was opening day and so eventually around three o'clock just to stretch legs we i remember up, yeah, yeah. And i took my rifle out with me and i've got photos of us just in a whiteout in a whiteout yeah i mean just and it's you know, like it's up on the divide. It's it's mostly rocky <laughs> terrain. It was it was precarious all of a sudden, not really being able to to see what was underfoot or anything. It ultimately probably snowed up over ten thousand feet, closer to two feet by the time it was all said and done. Like it was knee knee deep and deeper at some spots. Yeah, I know Brandon Wynn was at another spot where he was dealing with like real bad grapple and has photos of Jeez. Yeah. So the the threat of the fire 
dies out. You're still not seeing Rams. You get hit with a ton of snow, and then all your friends got to leave you. Right, and I think we still had maybe two days before you guys had to leave, but it was it was clear that we weren't going to be able to navigate the country, and we were wearing ourselves out, and so we were gonna we were gonna head down. And you were going to start to prioritize uh, a different zone of your district. I knew that if I was going to go, I knew I was gonna have to go somewhere different right. because we hadn't seen the Rams, and I couldn't like get up every day with the enthusiasm I needed, knowing I'd stared at that. Yeah, area over and over again for just try to like will one onto the hillside. Right, right. But I remember hiking down and just, we were just kind of like talking through different opportunities. Yeah, different ways to go about it. And I'll never forget. You're like, oh, I've got, I think I might have a guy that might come up here with you. And I was we're like, literally hiking out that day. And yeah, right. We're talking about it about who I was like, who do I know in the Colorado hunting scene that might be up for like a really spontaneous, weird four day trip with you right now. Lo and behold, I had such a friend, and Bo Maurer joined you for the second half. Dude, on a dime. We called, we text Bo, and I think I kept it short and sweet. I was like, hey, been hunting sheep up in northern Colorado. Uh, I have to leave. Do you have any interest in joining my brother and going backpacking with him for a few days? He was like, send me the pin. Yeah. And was there within like 24 hours. Yeah, it was really impressive. Dropped everything. <laughs> yeah. He's a stud of a of a hunter and a backpacker. Like he's a alpine yeah. backpack hunter. We were we were a crew immediately and met up back back in town. I dried out my gear. We gave um, like all of a sudden it was really warm again. So we had to wait till the afternoon for some of the snow to melt off, and we had a plan to get in and, and hike it into the night to really get into this other spot and make the last of or the best of what could be like maybe a three or four day push in there so was your hike in similar to that first area no because there was a ton of deadfall after the storm <laughs> and it was brutal and it was again it was all wilderness and no one had been in there yet and so and hand sawed the trails open yeah right and so we spent a lot of time just working log over log Ugh. getting in but were you going to have more time or was that it for you? Did you just have that one week? I was going to have more time. I was, I was between jobs and I knew that I could get back. It was more the stress of being away, the 12 hour drive, getting up and back and just My, finding someone that also has that available time. Mm -hmm. Because I, again, like the network that I had. And you got a moose hunt to still go on. Yeah. That's you got to drive good, back to Colorado again that's a good, and prioritize a month later. That's a good point. Yeah, I did have, yeah, there's a so lot it of was, late. The clock was ticking on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember Bo met me in town and we bought, um, like, what are the stuff that go over the boots? Not crampons, but the. Like uh, yak gator? tracks. Yak tracks. Mm. Yeah. yeah like, micro spikes. Or micro, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that sort of thing. I remember buying those in town because it was like, hey, I'm I'm betting on all of the snow melting off pretty and it quickly just being here. A mess. But we've got to go up and over this pass, and I've never been there before. Huh. So <laughs> let's make sure we've got them. Um, I think it's Duncan Gilcrest in one of his books that says he'll carry crampons mountain goat hunting, and I think it goes something like he'll he'll use them to get out of situations, but never to get into a situation. I, I kind of wish we'd had them. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, talking yourself through how to self-arrest yourself or something <laughs> if you start sliding uh but hiked up and made it to uh we knew the drainage was up and over a, you know uh, a saddle and it was a north-facing drainage we slept on the south side 
on a snow field. Mm-hmm. And see any sheep? No, we were not. We knew we weren't in sheep country at that point. We were kind of like working our way up through the woods to get up and over where yep. I was hoping to see them. Um, slept like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like eight days into yeah. a pretty hard grind yeah. of just backpacking at elevation every day now. Yep. Uh, went the next morning, pushed up and over that shoulder, found a really awesome uh, black bear that Bo wanted to get on camera. Oh, cool. And I remember, like, there was I, there was not a bear on earth that could have stopped me from hiking <laughs> into this area. And I told him, like, you'll see me when I stop over here. But I'm... I made that mistake once. I was sheep hunting in Montana one year and opted to shoot a black bear in the middle of nowhere. Dumbest thing I've ever done. Spent two days packing it out of a wilderness area. And I was like, just getting to like eat, you know, the spot that I was really excited to hunt and was sure I was going to find a sheep in had to turn around and pack a bear out. So you weren't having that. I didn't have a tag. It was just, he wanted to get the footage. It was a, a pretty bear. And I was, I was, desperate to go and find sheep and there was nothing you're like cool bear (laughs) not what i'm I'm past that part of (laughs) of soaking that in i was you know i was really excited to get into this this new spot um made it over by like late morning perched up and we had a ram located in like 30 40 minutes you see one singular sheep one single sheep out on a on a rock bluff how far away uh, miles miles yeah um but we saw a ram, and it was like, <laughs> that's that's my ram. Damn Easter bunny over there. Yeah, but thank God. I mean, Bo's like, hey, let's, we're gonna eat some food. We're gonna chill. We're gonna look at this thing. Yeah, he's we're calculated, gonna, man. Yeah, and uh, thank God because he was. I, yeah, you feel like you're like hunting with like a Navy SEAL or something. Like you're thinking about things I'm not thinking about. Yeah. And it's in my best interest <laughs> to stop and eat something right now. Right. Right. Instead of getting excited and running over there. I remember him asking me, like, you think that's your, that's the one you think? And I'm like, <laughs> is it legal? Yeah, I've been in here for two weeks and I've, I've, I've yet to see a ram. That's definitely yep. the ram I want to go after. Let's go. Um, it was a, that north facing drainage that we had to work down into ended up being very icy and rocky. And we took a long time just working our way down to get in there. And that, I wish we did have the crampons at that point because there Jeez. was no like, hmm. Yeah, the pictures of that day that you've got, it, you look like you're in like the Al. It's, you're in some like rugged, uh, rocky stuff, way above tree line. It looks like you're in like New Zealand or something. Yeah, I think it's the that all that fresh snow everywhere, and then yep. all of it had started to melt, and the, everything was super green popping through. But yeah, like water gushing out of all the. It, yeah, it was like Lord walls. of the Rings up there or something. <laughs> like it didn't look real. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so you're I, making your way over to him. Yeah, and just taking our time. He's out in the open. Things were going to get stressful within, like, by the time we got to, like, 500 yards, it was going to be. So we were really taking the time thinking about how we were going to approach it, whether or not we could get out there. As excited as I was to run after it, I also, he was, like, precariously out on these rocks, and I didn't want to watch my dream dash away. So I was happy to have Bo Slow take down. the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we were, we were close enough that we were really taking our time when we needed to maybe get out and be visible or work around a, a rock or whatever. And we were going one at a time. You're inside 500 yards now. 
probably within 800 yards. And it's still just one singular ram. And, yeah, and, and trying and having difficulty getting to 500 yards. Yeah, okay. Like cutting that final distance, I'm working a lot of distance, but I'm not getting closer to I the see. sheep. Yeah. And I'm starting to put myself out and be visible to them. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working my way through these rocks. I'm on a ledge. I'm coming across, and I look up, and there is a – beautiful full curl ram sitting 20 yards from me and he doesn't know i'm there and he's he's just like peering out over the valley no you had no idea the sheep was there and all of a sudden you're just sneaking in on another sheep and, and how boom, far are you from the other one probably still 800 yards or so wow and he doesn't know you, he doesn't peg you he does not peg me do you have your gun in your hands i have my gun on my backpack <laughs> yeah yeah 25 yards you got a giant backpack on don't have your weapon in your hand so i'm quickly i'm quickly moving to a knee yep i've got my rifle sling quick detach and i think at the pop of the detach or just at some point of me starting to to get into a hunch there was we were so damn close you know it was did this is all happening really fast you're obviously like that's a bigger sheep I'm shooting that sheep. Where's my gun? I uh, saw I saw lamb tip coming up over the far side of his nose, and it was like that's again that's my sheep. That's yeah. That's more than I. Not even coming uh, not even a thought of like is no. it a good one? It's like good lord. So with that, he he's on to me. Does he have a quick? Act? Are you afraid that if he takes two steps, he's going to be in the trees and? Oh, I or was are you like terrified? Oh, okay. terrified. Okay, so there was like a viable exit for him somewhere. He jumped. He jumped up and went out of my line of sight and, and out of my life. You know, so I dropped my backpack. At this point, Bo's behind me and sees that there's something Something's going happening. on. I think he's working his way up to me. I dropped my backpack. I took my rifle, made it through the the ledges and the cliffs got to where i jumped on a rock and at that point he was up and climbing in sort of like an amphitheater above me yeah looking down at me at this how far did he kind of hanging 200 yards 220 yards and is is he all alone too he's all alone yep standing broadside laying on the rock and when you get him in an amphitheater i've been on sheep and goat hunts where you get him in an amphitheater and you're like i i got him like he's he could go 200 300 yards in any direction and like i'm still on him here it's funny you say that because i i didn't feel that way in the moment i shot him immediately (laughs) and there's like a part of me that's like knowing now what i what i do yeah it's been cool to hang out with him for for a little bit well i'll be spooked yeah but it was uh i don't think anybody could (laughs) hold off the trigger i had come too far to like yeah to play with it any more than that 200 yards broadside up above you shot him got back behind my rifle he's standing there you, I'm, I'm immediately where do you think you hit him on the first shot i thought i missed him because <laughs> he's still standing he's there. just standing there and no flinch he didn't catch any flinch or i hair. think he took a few steps forward but i'm still getting behind my rifle and i'm i'm jazzed up but you think you have missed it's happening it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. it's happening so fast and he's still standing and so i i shot again and you know, he rolled, and I turned out I'd shot him twice. Yeah, that's what, yeah. that's what's just like the immediate, the milliseconds are like, oh, my God, my gun's off. I've been backpacking for a week. You just like so many thoughts in such a short amount of time. Yeah. So your second shot, you just dumped him. Yeah, you end up rolling down a little bit and then hung out on a, on a rock. There is a great video of you right at this point in your story. 
I think Bo turns out his camera and is like, we just got one. It takes a video clip of you with this Lord of the Rings amp, Alpine amphitheater behind you, and you are so excited. Oh, I think I'm it's one of my Yeah, it's one of my favorite. You're in disbelief. Like your jaw is on the, on the rocks, and you're in disbelief that this big-ass ram popped up out of nowhere at yeah. 25 yards. Yeah. It couldn't be in more disbelief. So you get up to him, and he's everything you thought he was and more. More, yeah. Heavy yeah. as hell. You know, you pick up that head. It's like How old is he? Ended up being seven. Okay. Yeah. And what, do you know any of his dimension? I'm looking at him on the wall here. And if you know sheep at all, he's, it looks like a, a Boone and Crockett ram. He is. How long is that left side? That looks it's 36. And he's lamb tipped. You don't see that in bighorns super often, but this ram's lamb tipped, which means he has not broken off his, uh, you know, the very first year of growth, which a lot of bighorn sheep do uh, in comparison to like a, a thin horn, which dull sheep them. A lot of them, most of them, keep their lamb tips. Yeah, he's still kind of showing it off. So he's 36, you said? I think so. 16-something bases. And what did – It went 176 and something. After so, its deductions on yeah, the different lengths. that's right. So green, it was 180 and a half or something. Right right knocking on Boone and Crockett. But just to give a picture, if you're, if you're familiar with sheep scores, what this sheep actually looked like, it's a world-class – Oh, yeah. It's a world-class ram. <laughs> and what's cooler yet about that sheep, I think, is that it's a mountain sheep. Not all bighorns get killed at 12,000 feet in a wilderness area 12 miles from a truck. That's like a savage backcountry sheep hunt. The, a lot of bighorns get killed a lot easier than what you did. Yeah, I think it was interesting hearing the taxidermist talk about the, you know, the chocolate chest and everything and... He's like, oh, at a glance, he's like, that's an alpine timber. Timber, like yeah. he lives at Treeline, and they get chocolatey. Yeah, recognized him. Hmm. Yeah, he's a he's a beautiful sheep, um, and you're you worked hard, and you got an incredible one, and so much credit goes to Bo too. Yeah, saddling up when all of us just jumped keeping, ship, keeping the hunt going. Yeah, what's crazy was I was I left you because I had to go to Alaska mm-hmm. and guide, and. Uh, I had a 24-hour window in between getting back to Bozeman and flying out. In the same afternoon you shot that sheep, I shot. I went out for an afternoon elk hunt and ended up killing the biggest elk of my life. So the same afternoon, we're, you're in reaching each other. Like, I just got a ram. I just got an elk. And so we kind of shared this moment together through our inreaches 2,000 miles apart. It was so special. It was so cool. And – what did you what did your pack out look like? Because I know that was still you had a lot of work to get out of there. Yeah, I mean, split it up between the two of us, but it was still you know same day up and over there. No, no, we had to work our way back up and over the saddle and spend the night on the south side, and then we hiked out the next day. And thank God at that point there had they had already cut up some of the logs on the trail down oh they have closer to the, yeah, we got so it in. was all f- it was a pretty fresh. populated trail you know it was like highly heavily down, recreated down, down lower, lower yeah yeah um so that was nice um <laughs> but yeah i mean you've seen some of the videos of me packing out it's you think about i i don't know i think about you packing out a solo sheep you know an unlimited yeah. ram and stuff and feeling like what i what it took for me to get half of them out how heavy do you think you were coming out you think you were knocking on a hundred pound pack? I'm sure you were. Had to have been, I would think probably, yeah. Maybe more. Maybe more because yeah. I've got him and the cape and the head. 
You have Bighorn packing yeah, up? The head seems to weigh as much as the meat does. <laughs> that was, I was really surprised. I don't know about how you felt, but like I was surprised how little meat there was on yeah. the sheep. How was yours? Eating, eating wise? It, yeah. Great. Yeah. I've been really saving it and savoring it. Like, yeah. I don't I don't eat it too often. I don't really share it with many people. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. special. Mine ended up being excellent. I was really surprised. No, really. I don't know if you, I was surprised. but Giannis, you made reference to that when we were out bear hunting about how little meat you got off of your sheep. And I, I don't know if it was different because your sheep looked they like were, a horse. Yeah, they were pretty pretty big animals in my unit and i know some people had remarked on like seeing the size of the sheep so maybe yeah, i equated to like a bullfrog where like you look at the animal and you're like that's a giant critter but then when you take his legs off <laughs> the only thing you can eat you're like not left with that much yeah, there's a lot of i kind of feel like with the ram it's the same way there's just like a lot of chest and a lot of belly yeah that you're not going to eat you know and when you take those four quarters off like, I could easily take all four quarters and the loins in two hands and pick them up. Yeah. That's that, a good point. What's interesting, I think there is you an – You can't a, do that with a mule no, deer box, no. you know? I think there's an actual difference, and maybe the fact it's a reintroduced herd with, like, they chose some premium genes and premium habitat and set these – when they do reintroductions, you want to set the herd up for success. So I often think that you get really reintroduced herds or introduced herds – often are seem more robust than you hunted a native herd. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some old timey genetic anatomical differences. Like yours was old, old Alpine blood. I don't, I don't know where they got the genes for those sheep, but it's made some big rams. It was like part years. cow. Yeah. So, that is, so yours was. <laughs> had some hams on it. I think. Yeah. yeah, they did get, I mean, it is true. They did get those. The reintroduction did come from like a place where there was trophies. Sure. Yeah. I, I'd be willing to bet that it has something to do with body size. Yeah. So I want to hear about your ram, Giannis, as much as you can tell us. And uh, But first, let's hear about the moose hunt. So you get you get home with your ram. Life's good. Got to go back to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, it wasn't an afterthought, but it was like, oh, my gosh, okay. Like, it was even a lot just getting back and celebrating the story of the sheep and everything. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got this other <laughs> deal. Did um, you lose like enthusiasm? Was no. It? Okay. I could see how it would be like almost like just exhausting and stressful. Like this is great, but like the pressure's still on. I still have this once sheep, in a lifetime moose tag that I still got to li- make work. Held, I held the sheep opportunity well and above. Yeah, that's how it should the be. The opportunity for the moose. And so it was blinding up until that point. Um, but that it didn't take away from, you know, how immensely awesome it is to get to go and And you get to go moose, moose hunting, like, super stress-free. You're like, I already kicked it out of the damn ball. Yeah. I already hit it out of the ballpark <laughs> with my sheep. Like, I get any moose, yeah. and it's just more sugar on top of more of an awesome hunting season of a lifetime. Yeah, so I met a guy on, uh, on Rockslide, Tyler Sessions, had a – a place nearby and was familiar with the area. And so I had someone that I was in touch with that I was going to meet up with and, and hunt a few days. But I drove down for opener and spent a few days in a wilderness area camping and just calling. So was, when was this? October? Yeah. Would this be like – their rut aligns with elk pretty closely, right? I think so. So, so yeah. it would kind of be like – September peak to late yeah late rut now yeah I think we were they were getting going 
when I was in there. And it, people were remarking that it was a little late, but that's – Okay. You always kind of hear stuff like that. Um, but we were, that's your tactic. You're going to go and call bulls in. <laughs> yeah, and I remember the night before uh, leaving town going and cutting open a uh, like a garden or like a plant waterer, something yep. that I could bugle through and just like broadcast out and uh, watch some YouTube videos, kind of messed around with it. It was definitely easier than trying to call bulls. And I knew <laughs> that it, it didn't require like as fine of a. Yeah, Yas, you're a. When you say bulls, you mean like elk bulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah. a proficient uh, communicator with the game you hunt, from the turkeys to the elk. I think you're a world-class caller, and I, I believe you think it's your favorite part of communicating makes a hunt more special when you can communicate with them like that. Mm-hmm. But moose hunting is kind of known as the easy calling. They make pretty generic, monotone, fairly monotone noises compared to communicating with a turkey one-on-one or talking to a a bull elk and trying to feed him the perfect cow calls and combinations with bull calls. Moose seem to have a reputation as just being a little bit easier to call. So you weren't afraid to go cut your teeth doing it. I remember watching enough of the YouTube videos. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go give this a go. And yeah. (laughs) But I, you know, I had not at that point done much like calling of elk or like really played that game. So it was it was interesting having my first experience of really call and response with big game being by myself in the wilderness <laughs> for moose when I have a tag in my pocket. That was a little bizarre. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but I it, it worked. <laughs> you know, it was it was very cool that first day getting in there. I called in my first moose, and uh, seeing them come, you know, kind of get at the edge of an opening, broadcast out across that. You'd hear them work in, and then they'll come out across and really show themselves and get into their their wave, whatever you'd call them, working back and forth. When they do their, their head tips. Yeah. When they yep. just kind of hold left and then tip right and walk real slow. Like yeah. They're about to – I feel like when you see a moose do that, like you think he's about to like freak out and like shake, his, <laughs> shake it off and start fighting really hard, but they yeah. never really seem to break out of it. I remember the first one that I called in, it was – it wasn't a shooter, but it was, it was a cool experience. And so I'm thinking like this guy's sitting out here and I'm ready to try to figure out how to find the next one. What do I do in this situation? <laughs> and I, so I just, I just went quiet and he came 20 minutes, 30 minutes since I had last called and he came 10 yards, walked cool you know, past behind me. I mean, they've, they've Curiosity got you. kills. Yeah. Yeah. It's just got, like yeah. any, like a gobbler or a bull elk. Like once you've made a noise, they know the tree you're sitting. Yeah. Into, you know, that was incredible. And I remember thinking like, I'm playing the girl. I'm in close quarters in the, the, the this, silent treatment here. It's a big animal. That's getting like, he, he, <laughs> found, he found me. Like I might lose. <laughs> you ever see the videos of moose, like stomping people out in like Walmart parking lots. Oh. It's violent. Or like snowmobilers often have encounters with them and stuff. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people get messed up by moose, but when they do, choose well, I think they do. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe proportionally, like they are the most aggressive deer species yeah. we have. So what was going to be a shooter for you? Was there a minimum? There was no uh, like, like real understanding. I had looked at I had looked at harvest reports, and so I had seen like oh like a 50 inch there have been 50 inch moose shot in this unit which is enormous that would like okay that 40 is the bar people talk about be like that's a really nice shires moose if they hit the 40 inch marker yeah yeah it's kind of the commonly used but as far as understanding 
score really how I was going to judge it. It was my first time. I had not spent a lot of time like scouting and going over images of like how, what am I looking for? That's kind of nice though. It's just, if you like him, I think that's all the right reasons. It ended up being far more situational because I had, I had some people some that, that I could get there. And so, um, yeah, sp sp spent a few days calling them in that wilderness area. Hunting by yourself. Hunting by myself. Went and met up with Tyler and kind of uh, explored some other places by truck, hiked in for evenings and did that for a few days and did not have mm. – hard. we didn't hear anything. So I was like, hey, I, I know a place. Let's go back <laughs> into the wilderness spot. And so hiked into there and had a similar day where it was like three different – moose three different bulls that that we got to play with throughout the day cool we had one that we never did see and i've, I've got a feeling it was probably a, a, one of the nicer that's that's the the human yeah in you, yeah right though. like i didn't see it so it was certainly the biggest one we on were mountain. uh yeah i mean you hear them and oh yeah, yeah we're all guilty of it um we had this going on for an hour or so and i just couldn't get him to come out Okay. Of the woods out into the the opening, and so, so back up a little bit. You've rounded up. I'm with Tyler. Just the two of you. Okay. Yeah, just the two of us, and then he's got two other friends that we're going to go and explore another area, and we could in reach cool. them if we shot something. And um, you get a. You got back there with Tyler. You can't pull this one out of the trees, but thank you got you, to work you. two yeah, other so, ones. Yeah. So at one point, though, a a a cow moose ran out across the opening and clearly we had upset the bull to the point where he was harassing a cow that he found maybe thinking oh interesting yeah so this cow full speed out across the field tripped and fell really and i remember looking <laughs> at, over at tyler and it was like maybe, maybe like 60 yards from tyler running out across this thing huge animal to see take a tumble right in front of us and went off and so God. you know you're picturing this guy in there just like upset with me that i'm working him up and then he's he found a cow and so it was interesting to see that play out she uh she blocked she bull blocked you he probably <laughs> would have come to you if he hadn't yeah. run into a real yeah. cow or maybe he already had her you know yeah. But. um but yeah i ended up calling in a few more finally got one that was an impressive bull coming into a, a spot and we, we decided that was going to be the one and so and you you called him in you call him in. you're just yeah. blind calling and we can see meadows and see what pops out here yeah i mean we'd, we'd have an experience with one meadow and then we're going to walk a mile over here to okay. uh, to another meadow and, and do the S same set up and call for a while yep and it was it was more productive than that's i would have cool. thought it was yeah yeah it's a cool way to hunt moose it seemed like they were going to hear the broadcast and they were they were going to be around uh something was going to come with come in and hmm. see it's not every Shire's moose district that has numbers like that. Colorado has done really well with their moose. Yeah. I think give more Shire's tags out than probably all the other states combined. And they're pumping out some of the biggest moose. Right. Uh, oh, it's a species in a place where uh, climate change is uh, very beneficial. Is that the deal? Well, what? yeah, because think about it. There's places there. There's all this alpine high country that moose never existed in, and now that you know the climate's getting warmer all that it's that habitat is becoming available to them it's green more feed up higher yeah totally interesting and just <laughs> we have all this available moose habitat if it would just warm up a little bit and it did yeah so colorado's got a, a lot of it sounds like you were hunting elk like that's 
most yeah. people's elk hunting tactic yeah. then that's a, a higher much higher density deer species than moose so it's special that you got to hunt them in a high density area right to go through and see two several three a day coming yeah through incredible. That. that was really cool yeah Are you mostly cow calling or or bull almost right. exclusively cow calling yeah just the long <laughs> yeah just a series of those and then wait yeah just and wait. now you wait yeah and you'd, you'd hear them coming in and breaking branches and huffing and puffing and doing all that stuff so how far out did you see your bull when he started to come in probably like 150 yards pretty close yeah because you're in it's like heavy heavy timber and then you're getting to an opening who spot did you spot him or he's sitting there with tyler or you hear i mean it's okay it's, it's dramatic when it comes into the scene in. oh yeah it's gonna be right there because i hear it because crashing a, through it's right a there. tractor coming through the yeah wood. yeah so he steps out and you're like shooter i like him sure yeah broadside or he's coming straight at you shot him broadside Shot him broadside, and then, you know, I was shooting my 270, which, to go back and do it again, I'd probably take more gun, but I was of the mind that I was shooting a ton, getting ready for the sheep hunt. You were so shoot, deadly with that shoot rifle. What, you're shooting well, and... Yeah. So, uh, but that said, I mean, we... I had to shoot him a, a couple times, had the opportunity to kind of keep him in front of me before he ended up going into the woods. How many... Sh you got... Did you empty your magazine? I think I shot him probably three times and then a final shot. My experience watching moose get hit is that they don't run away real fast and they can soak up yeah. a ton of bullets. But they uh, they don't seem to – once you get a good shot in them, they seem like – you might still be standing there. They present a lot of shot opportunities, it seems like, after you get your first one off. If, yeah. you, if you have a good hit and you didn't drop them or spine them or hit the right nerve, they'll just soak them up. And if you're shooting a 270, maybe he took more than he would have out of a 30-06. Yeah, the concern was after that first shot, he's making his way, you know, into timber, wanting to get that, that second shot off, wanting to yeah. get him again before he's folded out of, him out up. of sight. But you saw him drop. Yeah, yeah. Dropped right there. We were able to in-reach um, Tyler and Justin. I think the name's – uh, more two other pack, guys yeah so now we had crew. we had four guys and so we were able to get it out in the in the single load those are uh, four big wow with four guys yeah yes it was pretty psych you guys were carrying i saw the tyler photos videos of that that was tyler came out with probably 150 pounds oh my gosh he kind of had like a double load um yeah that's incredible yeah and even you know you just european deer moose which most people do you're not carrying out a moose cape which is incredibly heavy but the the moose head alone is again just like your sheep a huge yeah chore to get out how far in were you we were a pretty good ways because it was we had to hike in it was in that that wilderness area so it took us the afternoon into the evening to get out it's another cool thing about how you went about you know i think your sheep's cool because you killed him at twelve thousand feet and he's a mountain ramp i think your moose is cool because almost the same reasons like a lot of people when they moose hunt, they're like, "Well, you know, gotta get to be able to get the truck to it or, yeah, or right. close to it. Like, I'm not gonna stray too far." In Alaska, we say don't go more than a mile from the airstrip. You guys went five miles into a wilderness area yeah. and hunted backcountry rut and moose. Yeah, and so that was that was the factor when I knew that I had the few days of of extra help. That was part of like, well, let's let's kill a nice moose now versus I'm gonna 
come here and do it myself for two weeks and yeah you weren't feeling real greedy you were already I was real not feeling appreciative greedy. on your hunting season you're like let's make it happen right now stars align yeah and i think we were able to get uh one of the trucks up like a two a two-track road you know as close as we possibly could but then it was four guys and a moose in this truck <laughs> and it was nighttime and there was there was a lot of contact between the bottom of that truck and, and the road. Oh, you were just bottom, bottoming it out. Yeah. That's yeah. too funny. It was, a, it was a rough ride down. So I'm looking at your moose right now. It's Europeaned up over your couch. It's a stud Shires moose. It's a moose I would shoot 10 times out of 10 if I had a, a moose tag of any western state, really. Yeah, How wide did he go? 46. Yeah. Oh, a, wow. A beautiful moose and a lot of tine length on him. Um, you know, crosses pan each time holds a lot of length. He's just real showy, you know, and they, yeah, I think when they get the time length instead of the wider paddles, cause he doesn't have the widest paddles per se, but points coming off him are so pretty. He doesn't have the fork on the left side up front. Yeah. Okay. I think that hit score wise. I think that's moose a, a score really box. weird Yeah. Mm. moose and like caribou is the other one that's like maybe the score doesn't always reflect the actual caliber of animal or maturity level of the animal. Yeah. Well, you probably had to go buy a new freezer. I did because then I, I took the moose into Denver because I was down there for seeing family yeah. and, and stuff. And so I did. I bought a freezer and, and threw it in my sister-in-law's garage. <laughs> and uh, they were they were very kind letting me like, you know. Okay, cool. If I park this moose in your garage for a couple days, I'll buy a freezer. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, did you uh, kill anything else in Montana that year? Did you get a deer or anything? I came back and, and shot an antelope. Oh, wait. And then we went and, and killed a whitetail. Oh, yeah, we did kill a whitetail. I got back from Alaska. We went and. Yeah, so we. But we were running two freezers for. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it again. You've had the. I, I wish everybody's introduction to hunting could be as enjoyable and successful and awesome as yours has been. Because for me, you've been hunting for less than 10 years and you've had some incredible opportunities and tags and you've made the most of them and you've had a lot of success. And, uh, no, I've been super fortunate. It's been, you know, you've been able to, you've been an accelerator in a bunch of ways, but yeah, you're all of a sudden, yeah, nice to have a brother. You do have really nice gear for being new to hunting. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. well that's uh, a, a banger year man back yeah, uh so much back in colorado was it did it make you want to move back no i felt like i got what i wanted <laughs> I was, see ya <laughs> yeah all, all i needed uh was to move away and yeah. they, they tried to bait you back to colorado i'll be back for the goat <laughs> <laughs> oh that's incredible and Giannis. You were lucky enough to draw your sheep tag in Colorado last year, mm -hmm. 2021. So similar to Adam, you had a pretty rugged wilderness uh, backpack hunt. Yep. And also killed a tremendous ram. Yeah, I don't think it's not a Boone and Crockett. I haven't scored it, but it's not a Boone right. Crockett ram by any means. Well, I want to – Double broomer. I, I want you to go into in detail, but there was – I remember hearing that there was – you were hunting a bigger ram at one point in your yeah in your for hunt sure. yeah and I actually thought up until I walked up to him that the one I shot possibly oh, really? was the big one yeah I needed that uh, bow bow 
Bo, yeah. Which I didn't have yeah. a bow with me. You guys yeah. sit down and eat a sandwich. Think about it. Let's look at them. Yeah. yeah. Make the right decisions. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm really glad you're. He's like a life coach. He's like a backpack hunting life coach. I just needed an adult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, I had a, a, a guy with me, a photographer with me, but he was uh, he was good in the mountains. He was strong, but he was really green in the mountains, too, and completely green to sheep hunting. And uh, it wasn't coming across his mind to be like, hey, we found some new rams. Let's just take a minute. <laughs> Let's just see what we got. Enjoy it. Maybe phone scope a little bit. You know, I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> there they are. It was, we were two weeks in. Yeah. And uh, I figured that it was, uh, like I said, I really thought because, one, they were new rams, and we hadn't – well, let's not get too far ahead there. We can go back to the beginning. Yeah, one, two. Um, so I got to go down and scout once. Okay. Yeah, I can tell you how I found out about it. I do the hunt and fool thing. You do? Mm-hmm. And was it, again, a new district or something, open to non-residents? No, uh, but I did find out through fr- friends that they – it was kind of the same deal. They had had non-resident tags in the past. They hadn't had them for a few years. Yeah, they come and go. They come and go. And and the way the biologist descri- explained it to me, it's not really particular to that unit. There's – because of, you know, minimum non-resident allocation. Statewide. It has yeah. to be statewide where they can get that 10%, blah, blah, blah. And so they kind of – they tend to move it around and, you know, what, you know, units can support it. Because, like, in 21, like this year, there was still three tags in the unit, but neither of them were non-residents. Mm. So last year it was right. two residents. It's kind of a rotating thing across and all the districts. They kind of move it around. Okay. So Anyways, yeah, so I do hunt and fool – it's just nice not to have to think about it, you know, and uh, be like, hey, I want to put in for everything. Could you just do it for me? <laughs> yeah. And I don't do a ton of states. I do like five states. And a lot of them have to do with me either like guiding in a state prior or living in a state prior where I kind of have a base of points built up. And I just want to keep going. Yeah. Other than that, I do the places where you can do lottery sheep. New Mexico and Idaho. Totally know. random stuff. Yeah. Like you don't need Where your chance points. every year is, is Alaska. Is last year. Yeah. yeah. A couple states don't accrue points. But yeah, no, it was cool. Uh, we were sitting in the Delta cafeteria in, I can't remember, maybe Minneapolis. Um, but I was with that like. Took me a minute to get the Delta cafeteria. You're in an airport. I was like, yeah. What the hell is a Delta? He, he travels more than you. Yeah, yeah. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're the, fa- the the folks that like to wear it like a badge of honor. It's called the Delta Lounge, but uh, <laughs> Steve, Steve has come to call it the Delta Cafeteria because really Keep the, everybody the, the food is here. not that great. If you really want a great meal in the airport, you don't go to the Delta Lounge. You know, <laughs> you go to the Delta Lounge for for drinks. Free drinks. Yeah, free drinks, <laughs> Wi-Fi. You know, nice seating. Whatever. Just to be seen. You know, a good place to be seen. Well, it's we're like a <laughs> snobby, like elitist. <laughs> I forget where we were going because there was a bunch of us there. Steve's there, Cal's there, Seth Morris is there, maybe one other person on there. And I get a call from Huntful, and they never call me. It's kind of all done through email or whatever. Hmm. And I'm like, "What's up, Chandy? You don't call me, you know?" And she's like, "Well, good news. Yeah, you got a uh, sheep tag." I was like, "No kidding." She's, like, <laughs> I'm like, "Is this normal?" She's like, "Yeah, we call everybody that gets a sheep tag. It's really special, so you should be like jumping up and down." I'm like, "Okay, I will. Like, I'll start." Yeah, you don't say, huh? Yeah, that is that's, that's pretty cool. too peculiar. What is this Tuesday? <laughs> and uh, so yeah, and I was gonna ask you actually, like from that moment, like it was cool, and I was I was excited, but the pressure <coughs> of that of the once in a lifetime tag immediately hit me, mm-hmm. and I gotta say that like. As soon as I killed that ram, I felt it go away and was pretty happy just to be like Joe 
normal hunter with normal tags again. Yep. Because that pressure is something else, man. Everybody's it, looking at you, yeah. You put it on yourself. The media puts it on you, you know, and, yeah. and it's, yeah. One is just to be successful, and then two is, like, to get the right ram, whatever the hell that yeah. means, you yeah. know what I mean? And uh, and it just gets worse. If you start hunting and you're not – and you don't kill a ram right away, that, that pressure and stress, I feel like, just exponentially explodes on you. See, and I'd, I'd had the interaction through Sheep Show only through RMGA and through Pete, and so – but otherwise, I, I'm fairly new to hunting, and so to all of a sudden have that <laughs> thrown in, and to I, – I, I understand the magnitude, but I also re- recognize that I am somewhat green to the opportunity. Mm-hmm. There was some stress in that of just like, God, I don't want to mess this up. If, yeah, if like, can I go out and, and find this sheep in this massive landscape? And like, do I have. It's like a big responsibility yes. or something. Yes. Yeah. And it would be a shame for it to be wasted or for it to not be sure. harvested type feel. So, yeah, I definitely carried that as much as brandon Wynn tried to tell me what did he what did he say in his text to me he said the gift of a sheep tag burns bright year long on and on and so i tried to remember that like just just enjoy enjoy the ride okay yeah that's what he was saying he was like yeah enjoy drawing the tag right enjoy your scouting yeah do you remember what the success rate is was in that unit it's it's always around three tags, so it's either sixty six percent or a hundred percent. Yeah, you go back sixty six okay. when you hunted it through right? the years. One of the tag holders did not. Were you affected by the fires in your no. unit? Okay, so I was worried about it, right? Because I was mostly I was worried about just not being able to see, you know, yeah, the visibility right, would get right. get screwed. One of the resident hunters that had this tag hunted, and then they shut down the wilderness. The wilderness area. He got the tag the next year. Huh. They gave it they back gave it to, to him. him. Oh, no kidding. I think he had to work for it. He had to make a few phone calls. Wow. Yeah. Good big win. Yeah. And he, he filled yeah, it. That's cool of Colorado to yeah. do that. I thought I that think. was cool. Yeah. You know what was cool Colorado did for me once? Remember back in the day when if you wanted to build sheep and goat points, you had to buy your license, get your habitat stamp, and then buy essentially buy the tag up front. Send him a check. We did. Yeah. For yeah. years. Like it adds well, up. The to five, six Gs. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I had put – you need a habitat stamp to be in the drawing. I had put my uh, check the box for habitat stamp on, say, my moose application. And they drew sheep, goat, then moose. I don't know if it's this order for sure, but whatever. That they got. So when they got to my sheep application, they're like, yeah, this guy doesn't have a habitat stamp. He's out of the drawing. And I did, wasn't in the drawing, and they didn't give me my point until I got to the last one. And then I got it, and I figured out what had happened. And I called him, and I was like, "I had a habit. I sent all these envelopes on the same day. On the same, all these applications were submitted together. I did have a habitat stamp. You just got to it last. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a bonus point for the other two species, which is, if you know anything about points, it's like you nobody touches those. Like it's you got weird that someone can. I think it went pretty high up an email chain, and finally, like. I got whoever had the final word, like Roby Nemo, was like, you know what? You're right. We're adding two points to your uh, prof- to your account. I was like, I can't believe that just happened. That's great. 
back to the Delta cafeteria though, how, what a hell of a job to be able to be the person that gets to like rain down tag joy on people mm. with those phone calls. Yeah. Well, probably there's, I mean, there's only so many. So it's probably, I think there was multiple people on their end actually on the phone. It was more than just Shandy. I forget who else was <laughs> they there. They were probably filming. But I bet it's like a day where they're like, hey, it's, you know, well, no, that can't be because it's spread out, it's spread out amongst the year. But I mean, I imagine it's only a handful every year, a dozen. Across all the handful? You think it's more than a dozen? I mean, uh, I bet it's, it's not that I many, bet it's more than a many do- tags. The year you hunted, I remember there was only like five non-resident bighorn sheep tags in Colorado the state over. And, like, you had one of them and Ed had one of them. And I was like, what are the odds that these two dudes that live a mile apart in Montana? Yeah, I think total it's, like, 250 or something like that. Across the continent. No, no, no. For Colorado, oh, like the 250 Colorado. Okay. ram tags. Yeah. That that's puts that's probably That correct. puts the non-res number higher, it has to be. But that's like uh, it's like Christmas at, go at a hunting fool. The yeah. we, get to, we get to call our, our customers and give them the best news ever. Yeah, it's got to be fun. So you're able to get excited about it. Yeah, so I got excited, and uh, I had one long weekend to go scout, and I had a buddy that had drawn the tag and hunted it the year before and killed the ram. This unit, like the last four years, has run in uh, some years even 0% and some years at 33% out of mm. three tags. So, like, going Not in, a guarantee. No, and I talked to other couple of people that lived in the area, and they're like, man, I wouldn't, don't even know if I would have applied for that one. That's going to be such a <laughs> tough hunt. I'm that like, haunts you. But, again, I knew my buddy that had had the tag the year before had literally lived in the mountain range, in the unit, and had really good deals. Yeah, I feel like it's like insider trading. <laughs> you, had, you had your ear to the street on that one. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, I had, you know, I don't know how many major drainages are in that mountain range. Let's just say 20. And right off the bat, I had it probably uh, narrowed down to two two or three, like, main ones and then two or three offshoots that maybe I would check at some point. Yeah. But, like, two main ones with, like, the center ridge between the two being, like, that's where you should look. If you can't find them there, then start, like, searching out. The fact that I didn't even kill my sheep on that ridge is, is, is surprising to me. But, anyways, I hiked in solo for, like, a four-day deal. And to get into the country was about nine miles. It was uh, it was a push, and um, I did big days, three days in a row, and long scouting story short, uh, ha- don't see anything. And I'm walking out towards the truck, and there's I'm on a trail. I'm kind of out of sheep country. I'm like in the aspen, <laughs> and there's one giant long meadow where at the end of it you can you can kind of look up out of the trees and see this one kind of face that's still, you know, above tree line. And it's like at four thirty-five, and I still got like three hours to go to the truck, but I'm like, yeah, I'll stop, you know, and look and um, put up the glass and like, boom, there they are. 12 pack of Rams. This is, you're not hunting here. This is a scout. No, no, trip. this is a scout. Okay. Yeah. Boom. So I had gone three days and not seen a single sheep, you know, let alone a Ram. It, that is and, a unique uh, feeling. When you finally, when days yeah. go by. Yeah, just like you said. It's like, even though you're only seeing ewes, at least like you, at least you're like, okay, I'm coming back with the confidence that yeah. like, they there, they, there they were, they can't be too far from that spot. I just guys have put the time in now, you know. And I was a long ways away, a couple miles. So I got some uh, digiscoping footage. A uh, couple of them looked, you know, like they'd be mature rams, you know. That was sure. my goal going into it was just mature ram, you know. I was I was hoping for eight plus, um, 
as far as like size goes, I didn't really have any, you know, uh, goals with that. So I get, so we, we, we tried to, we wanted to film a little bit, but it's all wilderness and getting wilderness film permits is very difficult. And so we gave that the old college try. They denied us and we said, okay, no big deal. Yeah. And I actually was selfishly kind of like, eh, that's fine. You know, like, like you can I, enjoy I, it in a yeah, different I can way. Just, I can just go hunting. It'll be fine. You know? Um, and I had some buddies lined up to go hunt. Unfortunately, I kind of had, I didn't ask too many people to help because I didn't want it to be like a crowd. But unfortunately, um, one buddy after he's like, oh yeah, I'll be there for sure. Every day got a job with CPW and they were kind of like, you know, just the optics of you working in that area, sometimes working on sheep, like be better if you just like weren't in the unit while he's in the unit. So they literally just were like cut him off we're out yeah and obviously he was never gonna like even though he works and collars sheep like i'm not gonna call a dude and be like hey you got that gps coordinate when was the last time uh you know you're one of your big rams was heard of or heard from you know like that's not the hunt i want no and so he was out someone else got it got had to go on a different hunt or a work trip or whatever and so in the end of just being me and the uh photographer and so I had the photographer showing up the day before season and I went in maybe two days prior to that. Get into a spot roughly where I had seen him was going to just kind of work. You got to work two drainages to see the both sides of this big long ridge and started where I had last seen him. Didn't see him there. Went up to a lake where I could see the side of the ridge and I can't remember at, at what point I, I got there, but pretty much when I got there, I found I think 11 out of the 12 and they were you know, how, how much time had transpired from the scouting trip mm, not quite a month okay a grip of it, time it actually might have been 11 when i scouted and then i found 12 because it was a group of five and a group of seven and in the group of seven were two real nice rams and then five youngsters okay and the biggest one was like it's a known ram for people that like kind of know where they winter they don't have a giant wintering range and sure so where they winter he's he's around there and he's everybody thinks he's like a minimum of the year i'm hunting him he's like a minimum of 12 oh he might be like 13 he's just yeah dinosaur like the horns come well below the jawline you know <laughs> tip up like he's he's beauty and when he stands amongst 12 other rams he's five shades darker you know, yeah. so it's very easy to be like, we just called him the chocolate ram because he was just like that dark compared to everybody else. And he was running with a ram that was still a nice ram, probably an eight or nine year old ram and had a giant chip out of the top of one of his horns. So it's very easy to call him chip, yep. chocolate and chip. They ran together. So I watched them for like 36 hours until I got to go. Because it's not hunting season yet. It's not hunting season. I'm just watching them. I stay I close as I get is maybe like 800 yards. And they're just feeding every day, feeding oh, in bed and feeding in bed and feeding in bed. And I got all kinds of great digiscope footage of him. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, I don't know if it would have mattered because they do move at night. Some people say the sheep don't move at night. But uh, my buddy who studies them is like, no, they're night walkers. Yeah, I believe it. Um, I've had them come through camps. So I, le- I watch him uh, one day till like 11 a.m., Walk out nine miles, meet the photographer at the trailhead. We go get pizza. I go into town, actually, so I can text Jay Scott and send him all these mm. pictures to be like, what do you think of this ram? 
And he's like, oh, my God, like, ram of a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, if you like, impressed him. Yeah, like, sh- like no questions. Like, I'll be doing backflips if you shoot You him. probably already knew the answer <laughs> that he was going to give mean, you. I mean, I'm, I'm just not Joe Sheep, you know? So sure. I was like, I knew, I, th- I think I was looking at, like, a mature ram. Yeah. Which was, like, if I didn't have somebody to bounce it off of, I would have just shot him for sure. But um, just to be sure, you know, that I wasn't, like, completely missing something, you know? And uh, so we go and have pizza or whatever and then uh, hit the trailhead again at, like, 4 or 5, hike back in the 9 miles, get into camp at, I don't know, 11 or midnight. And next morning, out of a dozen, there's only five left. And that group is – they were split up between 7 and 5, and the 5 group did not have the big one in them. Mm. So chocolate and chip are gone. (laughs) (laughs) Got the leftovers. And I'll tell you now that, like, yeah, I never see them again in the next two weeks. Oh. The five pack somehow everywhere we go, they show up because <laughs> like we're like go, we're like going like way up side drainages and they'll like cross the major drainage and pop up on the ridge so that we can see them. <laughs> and then we go way down a drainage and come up another drainage and they've crossed over the main ridge and are now on the other side in another bowl. And they're very easy to to um, to know um, right uh, because uh, they had two collars in the bunch. One of them has a huge scar on his chest. I mean, so it's like, like, oh yeah, there's, there's the gang, the, the yeah, gang of exactly. uh, banana rams again. Yeah. Can't get away from this. It's yeah. like calling in Jake after Jake. And <laughs> one of them was probably like a seven, eight year old ram. Nice and uh, I had him a couple times, at, like, because we would just be hiking out of drainage, and we'd be like, oh, what's that? You know, some sheep. You know, and we'd sit there, and all of a sudden here they come feeding by us at like a couple hundred yards, and uh, like. Definitely, and the thing was, was everybody that I talked to at CPW when I would just be calling to ask questions, they'd be like, "Yeah, now listen, there's gonna because the, sh- the herd's not big. There's about a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. They figured there's probably twenty, twenty-five rams in there, and probably half of those rams are probably like ram you'd want to shoot, you know. And uh, they're like, it'd be great if you didn't shoot a collared ram, you know." Like a lot of money invested in it, you yeah. Know, a lot of ma- and 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 I agree with it. It's like it's, totally. It's an interesting but dilemma. I also I also thing, knew yeah. that if I was three weeks in, and I was like really like I'll bring the collar. You to know, you. yeah, like exactly. Like I was gonna shoot. I wasn't gonna not shoot a collared ram. If, I'll come. That's what it I'll come do a sheep to. capture with you next summer. But I'm gonna bring this collar. Well, right and, and especially in a unit where it's yeah. been going 33 percent. Yeah, man. And it did the year I was there. The two residents didn't kill. Yeah, that's uh And again, had I not had the local the intel from the year before, I very well could have gone, gone sure. To zero. So they they yeah, so we basically the next almost 2 weeks is spent like either not seeing sheep, doing a shitload of hiking um or catching up to uh the gang of 5. Never saw you the whole time. We hmm. did have um unlike you like just the best weather. <laughs> Every single day. Like, in the last time I packed up my pack and went in, all I had was a tarp. I wasn't even carrying a tent anymore. <laughs> we mostly tarped it the whole time. I was down to, like, a 30-degree bag. And just, like, if I got a little chilly, was putting on some clothes in my bag. Um, no rain gear. Because, like, the forecast was just, like, there was no clouds in the sky for the next 10 days. Um, that, I that's mean, my pack, so telling. My pack was down to, like, you know, 20 pounds without food water. It was ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. you know? And that counts a spotting scope, you know, and a <laughs> tripod. Like, it was ridiculous how light we were. I have a tag and a rifle. That's but it was just, yeah. I mean, the, my, my, my biggest, like, concern was exposure. Just, like, 
I wore a boonie hat to keep the sun off me and wore sunscreen and just making sure we had water. And we got lucky with that uh, it was not hard to find water. We could find water just about everywhere. So it was a very enjoyable, like, two-week backpacking trip. You know, awesome. Just kind of cruising around the high country and, you know, any going to places I had never been. Or any mountain Yeah, we saw mountain goats. Uh, very few deer and very few elk. It was kind of a bummer because I felt like I was looking at like this very Shangri-La paradise and Summit County and Eagle County where we were hunting near are seeing a huge boom in development. Hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's the winter range that's getting hammered. And that's why there's no animals up high in the summer because it's like, they're you, gone. You need both. They're just not there. Yeah. And everybody knows that the numbers are way down in both those counties for just general deer and elk. Hmm. Uh, because when I lived there and hunted that same range, I was in there a bunch and used to like see giant deer and you know big herds of elk. And Wasn't what it used to be. Huh? In there a lot. No. Yeah. No. Interesting. So a bit of a bummer. But uh, yeah. So we basically pound out the main core zone. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna come we're like okay we're gonna move we're gonna come out and go up another mountain just so we can because even though you know how it is up in the Alpine like you get into a spot and you look up and you're like okay I'm seeing like 90% of it I still can't see that bench or see that little hidden circle whatever it is so we were actually gonna get on like a ridge two miles away and just so we had the whole thing panoramic zoom and, out a little and, bit and just sit there and stare through the big eyes you know. We uh, get up there. My buddy Steve Reed hooks up with us. And, well, he'd already been with us where we had been. But he came up on this other ridge with us for a day. And we get up there at daylight, glass until almost dark. Steve has to leave. He leaves at maybe 5. Uh, Charlie and I, the photographer, glass for another two hours or whatever until it's, like, almost long enough where I'm like, you know what? I'm just, like, not feeling it. And even if there was a sheep, like, my eyes are so tired, I'm not going to see them. You know, the wind's been howling. Like, I'm tired. Let's go find a flat spot to sleep for the night. And we're just kind of wrapping around their shoulder, looking at the map and thinking, like, oh, there'll be a bench here somewhere. It looks like it flattens out. And we're wrapping around, and I look up towards the top of the hill, like the skyline, and just very coincidentally, the timing was just right. I look up there, and there's, like, a bump that's out of shape. I'm like, huh. Put up the glass. Oh, there's a ram. How far away? 800 yards. Okay. And uh, I quickly tried to get the spotter set up, but it's too late. But as I'm still glassing, I see another ram come up behind him, and they roll off the horizon and pretty much disappear. Like, it's that late in the day that, like, there just wasn't at that range. There wasn't enough light to be like, where'd they go, you know? But we had ramps, right? So yeah, So we know gotcha. we're hunting. So in the morning, first thing, we watch that hillside for maybe 30 minutes and let it get pretty light out and see that it's it's just pure rock. Like they're not – they were traveling there. They're not there to feed, you know. Mm -hmm. So we get up there and we see on the satellite that if we wrap around, we'll kind of end up in these two or three kind of – they start as avalanche shoots and then they fan out into just kind of steep grassy meadows as they go down towards the creek, you know. And we start wrapping around, and it's all just big talisy scree, you know. And we're coming up to the first uh, avi shoot. And the avi shoot, it's more like a couloir where, like, it's got rock. Like, if you're in it, and you would just be able to, like, look at rock walls both sides of you that go up, I don't know, 30 yeah. or 40 feet, right? So 
even though I'm like starting to look in there and I can see the far side of the grass, like I got to pretty much get right up to the edge to see the grass underneath my toes, but it's 30 feet down, you know? And it just, it got, I wasn't liking the situation because I'm like, this is not what you want when you're once in a lifetime tag and a sheep. And you're not trying to flush them. Yeah. You're going to sneak over quail. the edge and be like, oh my God, there's a ram. Boom. And shoot. And then have some real, you know, uh, um, Rem- the, remorse. Yeah, remorse, you know? And so uh, luckily they're not in there. And, uh, but it's so steep to get in there. We actually can't just like jump in there to kind of take the grass around. So we basically just parallel the couloir downhill. And as we're working down, I can see that those sort of like all those shoots are fanning out and I can see more of the hillside and it doesn't take us, but a hundred yards of moving down and it opens up to enough. And I see the, the sheep, you know, and, uh, like I said earlier, like I see one, he looks good. And then I like glass over to another one and I see the giant chip out of its horn. I'm like, Oh my God. Got him. I'm like the there, two, there's, the there's chocolate and chip. And the <laughs> other, the other Ram is just when I use like facing me, I can just see like rings just stacked up, you know, and it's all dark and he looks darker than the rest of them. Um, there were a couple Ram collared Rams in there. Definitely one. There's one or two. I think there was a group. It was a group of five, though. And uh, again, man, I really needed Bo at that moment <laughs> because, like, I can't even tell you what the other Rams were in the bunch, right? I kind of saw the two, and my mind just went to like, oh yeah, that's so and so. What else could it be? Um, it ended up being pretty cool though because if you count those plus the twelve I had seen, seventeen. Majority I, of Rams. I saw most of the Rams yeah. that lived in the unit over That's the cool. course of three weeks, yeah. which is really cool, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, this giant Boulder Field talus thing we're in, and I just remember looking around, being like, "How am I ever gonna get prone?" Because it was just like everything was like this. Yeah, you know, there's nothing flat about it, but with my pack kind of wedged between two rocks, it gave me enough flat, and then you know bipod and whatever i was able to get um set up and uh i think it was like 345 i think is what i ranged and uh yeah spun the dial oh no there is a little bit of a a side story here (laughs) i was running a break which i normally don't do and i just hadn't taped the break and i just like with all the hiking and brush beating we were doing i kept like getting pine needles and stuff down my gun barrel right and every few days i would check in every time i would blow out something out of the barrel right well i go to rack around and as i'm pushing it in i feel it just kind of seats a little bit tighter than normal i'm like oh Uh-oh. no there must have been something in yeah. there you know so i go to take it out and the cartridge is stuck up in there like, oh my oh, gosh no. yeah like i'm ready to shoot my sheep now i got a <laughs> gun, gun the cartridge stuck yeah in it. oh my gosh so I drop the the mag out and get rid of those three or four that were in there, and I'm like pounding my gun <laughs> like butt stock first, like trying just to get this thing loose. I finally get, I think I just got my pocket knife and grabbed the rim, and yeah. that was enough to pop it loose. And sure enough, I see like whatever it was, it was like a little grip bit of grass or, or a pine needle comes out of there. I full on you know look through, it, make sure it's clear, and <laughs> give it the puff of air through it just to kind of clear it all. <laughs> Oh my! I'm God. flustered big time again. I need Bo. I needed Bo bad, you know. <laughs> like I'd be like Giannis, let's take a moment here. Let's yeah. make some coffee. Let's just make some coffee. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Bo the loves Rams coffee. just chilling. Hey. The Rams <laughs> just chilling. He's just feeding. Slow you down, know, Bo. no big deal. Let's enjoy the ride. 
Because, yeah, those it's so funny with sheep, too, like how sometimes they will literally run from 1,500 yards away, and other times at 100, they're just like, oh, whatever, human. Yeah. You know? I was going to ask you if you if you felt like they were particularly spooky. It sounds like a dumb question to ask about a, a wild animal, but after I shot my sheep, we had five juvenile rams hang out and watch us all right. afternoon, like 300 yards away. And I, you know, we put them on the phone scope. Where we were, were you guys all? We were week? hanging. Yeah, it was like it was a little bizarre. Well, especially when you're in Colorado in mountains that have a lot of people in them a lot of the time. Yeah, you know, and they probably get used to it, especially if ninety nine point nine percent of them aren't shooting at them <laughs> yeah, or chasing right? them. You know, <laughs> they're safe. Yeah. So I get, I put one in, get all set up. I shoot. He's perfectly broadside, maybe slightly quarter away. Shoot. He turns like 180, takes like two or three steps down the hill. Not quite 180. He's facing me. And I'm on him. I'm like, well, I think I hit him, but I can't see his sides. So I can't see any blood. And he's just standing there. But I'm like, might as well shoot again. Yep. So I had already, cha- you know, ran the bolt. And I go, click. It's because I hadn't. My right. mag was empty because I had dumped everything, cleaned <laughs> and gone out. So I hadn't put anything back in other than one. But right when I click, he just starts rolling down the hill. Yes. And uh, Your life flashed before your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's crazy is that, like, when we were looking at him at that range on the grassy slope that he was on, he rolled for quite a bit. He probably rolled 300 yards because it seemed like it was kind of like a triangle that we made from where, he, where I hit him to where he ended up and us, you know? In rocks or grass? Both, Both, mostly grass, though. But there was definitely some, you know, kind of that classic alpine, like, grassy meadow, but, you know, a few big boulders, some smaller stuff around. Was it a roll where you were like, like, I hope he doesn't get busted. Like, I hope he doesn't totally destroy himself. It was definitely right, right in between. Where, like, at, at any moment you're like, oh, he's going to stop. And, but then he rolled a little bit more. Or maybe he kicked and got himself yes, going, going again a little bit. And I was like, I was never worried about it. But when I got to him, and would like looked up the hill and looked down the hill. I'm like, this thing could have gone all the way to the creek. Yeah, right. Wow. You know, had he just like gotten the right kind momentum. of tomahawking momentum going. Yeah. Um, I mean, his horns definitely had a couple like fresh scratches, scratches in yeah. them. But uh, yeah, man. Then we, then we, then we, pa- then we partied. <laughs> so <laughs> what's that? Just the two of you together when you killed it. Yeah. And yeah. Then I called in. I think I had four buddies roll up to help we didn't really need we could have easily <laughs> packed them out and and like i said our packs were so light that camp was light but it was just fun to have friends along so yeah i think four people rolled up to help pack them out and um and then we got to the truck we actually met some more friends like halfway between the the truck and where we were on the trail and they had like bought pizzas and beer for when we got <laughs> to the trailhead and then so we basically just had a little mini ram party at the trailhead which was sweet awesome yeah that's a great feeling so it it didn't end up being chocolate or chip or was it chip no, neither neither of them just a ram you had not seen before nope. through all your scouting and all your hunting god they just come you think you've seen them all or you got you've done your homework and you're like all right there's 12 sheep i'm hunting somewhere in here well there's 14 and you haven't seen these other two yet Totally. Which is crazy. No, there. Yeah, there were five sheep we hadn't seen, and that's can be part of the problem of having good intel, because like that hill was mountain was only two miles away from me, and I certainly could have looked at it, and I probably looked at it like in air quotes, right? Like 
was I glassing it? Yeah, but was I like pounding it with the glass like I was everywhere else where I thought they were? No. Right. And they were there the whole time. They weren't moving off that mountain, you know. And, um, you know, so it just kind of skews like where you're looking because you're like, oh, no. Like the intel says they should be here. So why would I look over on that right. other mountain, you know. And uh, <laughs> so it's kind of cool the way that it ended up happening, you know. Um, yeah, it sounds pretty enjoyable. I mean, there's no shortcuts to it. You're still grinding it out. Ten oh yeah elevation but no totally the no. weather and you're on rams and that's an enjoyable hunt yeah totally no i would and you e- said even though it was two weeks it was bittersweet when it ended for yeah. sure because mm-hmm. i still had at least 10 days or maybe two weeks in the season and uh you know just like i didn't want the the hunt to end you know just keep hiking around and enjoying the high country it was sweet but you said earlier there's also that breath of the relief where you're like, I did it. Like I I got this incredible tag and I I made it work. The uh like the stress of just like, oh, I don't want to eat this tag of just that weighed very heavy. Yeah. Like the only tag the only sheep tag I've ever drawn was the Chugach and I went eight days without seeing a legal ram. And we finally found two and I killed one. But yeah, I've I can relate to that kind of that stress and that pressure. You like don't want to let people down. You're like, who am I letting? Like, I want, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, but you just, I don't know. I might never get the chance to haunt it. Oh, that was my thing. Again, it's like, dude, light, it know? took lightning striking for this to happen. I did like, yeah. I don't, I don't count on that being available. Again. Is Colorado once in a lifetime, or can you apply in a couple of years? They make you wait. I think it's seven. Just like Montana. Yeah, it's interesting. The moose is, is a once-in-a-lifetime. Oh, interesting. The sheep is not. Hmm. But the way they run it with their, like, regular bonus points and then the weighted points is that you're going to go seven without applying, and then, then you got three then more. you got to get three. So you're not actually, like, back in the game until, like, almost yeah. a decade later, which, you know, I'll be 54 at that point. Yeah, you'll be running the rut and, like, still leading the way. Hopefully, uh, if you guys – keep applying for the rest of your lives maybe that will happen one more time for you we kind of had that discussion you're asking if i was gonna start applying in colorado again yeah no i I, you're not that's that's i wanted to ask you that some people they're like i got my turn i got my tag i'm good i'm in the boat of okay they got the seven-year wait in place so other people can theoretically have the opportunity to draw i'm in the school of thought like all right i waited my seven years i want i want to do this again yeah. I can't wait to get a Montana tag again. Yeah, it's weird. There's a there's a feeling of just like let the next mm-hmm. person get their shot. I for sure. I want to pursue sheep hunting elsewhere. Yeah. And it's it's something I'm excited about moving forward, but it's like okay, I thank you Colorado for that. Yep. I'll, you know, I'll let <laughs> Well done Colorado. Yeah. Really appreciate that. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, we got to get both you guys up to Alaska to hunt the white ones. Yeah. That'll most realistically be your, your next sheep hunting experience. Yeah. I think I broached that topic with my wife for the first time this past week. So <laughs> It's good to bring that up a couple of years yeah, out. Yeah, right? That's that's exactly what it was. We started with like, wow, that's that's a lot very quick. We have a lot going on in our life. I was like, no, but I'm talking about like in a few years, you know, it really <laughs> started to get. Yeah. Uh, you and thought I, that was a problem, but no, it's, I've thought about this. It's further out. This is my yeah, it's funny. There's nothing else in life. Maybe I'm a little bit starting to plan a little bit about 
my child children's education fund. But really, there's nothing else that I plan that far in advance mm. other than hunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, that's not me, you know. <laughs> when it comes to hunting, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's plan that for five years from now. I want to <laughs> do that. Right. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to remodel something. It might just come up or schedule out other big things in your life. But hunts, you gotta you got to line them out. Yeah, life's short. For sure. Well, did it turn you did it turn you into sheep hunt? Did you get the would you say you got the bug? People say you got the sheep bug. Like I get it. Like this is incredible. Yeah, I think um like you and I have started discussing how we can how can we do it again? Pursue sheep on regular, yeah. Yeah, you're gonna get a real dose of reality stomping around the bear tooth now. Yeah, that's the plan. Punch the Go clock on. and start hunting the wilderness here. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually want to shoot. Well, it's the only way to do it unless you've got $60,000. <laughs> um, yeah, bighorn don't come easy, man. I will say uh, there was, as I'm planning my my sheep hunt for this fall, looking back on just sleeping in Colorado, not thinking about grizzly bears, there's like <laughs> a very, very, like, and you're totally talking about different. like no tent, like, oh my gosh, that sounds like vacation versus there is a little bit of that element of like, oh. Hey, that the tent wall ain't gonna keep the grizzly off you, <laughs> but it is a different hunt. A lot of similarities, and then some staunch. Difference. I was saying I was sleeping well. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You're just gonna be up at night more. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, you you 100% will run into grizzly bears this fall, uh, but statistically, uh, you shouldn't have any problems with them. <laughs> We were talking about how comfortable you get. The more time you spend in bear country, like the more lax you kind of find yourself being with your food or the camper. And you're like, you know what? If the bear's going to come into camp and wants to fight, he's coming in <laughs> and fight me. I don't think I'm there yet. Yeah. There's yeah, not a lot of no. trees to hang food at, at above tree line. You just have to stash Yeah, but do you rocks. see many bears in above tree line? Yes. Yeah, black bears too. Um the one Bo and the one that Bo wanted video of was rolling rocks above tree line. Yeah, I've seen quite a few grizzlies like cruising through boulder fields and like uh, scree stuff and digging around and yeah, it almost does seem out of place a little bit, but they seem to be up at the elevation. Well, at least when you see them up there, you get you have plenty of warning That's right. in advance. That's right. Well, it, you hope so. <laughs> My buddy Sam was hunting sheep in Wyoming. Up above tree line, sitting out on a glassing point, and all of a sudden, like, looked over his right shoulder, and a sow and two cubs was, like, rolling over the wide open ridge right on top of them. So, that's the thing about a bear attack. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thanks for telling us your guys' sheep stories. Uh, I love sheep hunting, and I, I know you guys do, too. And if we could only all be so lucky to – to draw it and get to go have those experiences the way to do it is when your buddy gets a tag go with them i would urge anyone like that's that's your most realistic shot to go sheep hunting yep. and it's it is a, a team sport in some ways and to be able to go up and spend that time in the you know in the alpine and, and help out and just looking for sheep it's uh it's a pretty cool experience what's uh you've had so many different hunting experiences in your short hunting career but what's What's your next pipe dream for a mountain goat hunt? Does mountain goat hunting interest you more than? Well, I'm pretty focused on unlimiteds and, yeah. and sheep at this point. Big, I was, big horn guy. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not yet. Maybe, yeah. maybe I can earn that title at some point. Yeah. I uh, shot an elk last year, and that was awesome. And we, you and I spent a few days of getting into elk during archery, but I don't think it was quite enough for me to like pull did, pull me from sheep hunting in September. Yeah. You had said that for a while. You're like, once I get a, once I get a bull elk, I'm okay not elk hunting for a couple septembers and focusing on sheep hunting. I was open to, to my mind being changed. It was, <laughs> it was super cool to, to go and do that. But yeah. I'm, That's interesting. Cause I think for most of us it, uh, hunting those, uh, you know, bugling bulls is what keeps us out of the unlimited. hundred percent. Some yeah. of the most keep badass hunters are, I know yeah. don't hunt the unlimited cause they're, they just can't give up archery hunting running an elk like yep. a lot of people i think i think they're just using it as an excuse not to <laughs> saddle up and go Oh, there's some that. of that no doubt yeah because yeah. you're talking about going on you're like i would like, but like i'm busy <laughs> like we described it years ago with kurt roscoe it's like you're looking at going on the hardest hunt in the world possibly year after year for five and yeah. seven and not years not you be very likely are going to go in there and not see a single one of the animal you're after yeah yeah I think it plays into more of like a, a back country go out and like survive an experience and get up into that uncomfortable or get up into the yeah. alpine and just like be doing something different. Yeah, just so, going on a big backpack and try yeah. to bring some optics and hey, yeah. maybe you see a ram. <laughs> maybe you find the Easter Bunny. Yeah, it's out there. Well, I wish you luck. I'm excited to see what you turn up this fall in sheep country. You got any more sheep hunting in your future besides our hypothetical hunting together in Alaska? Mm, no, not unless I draw something. Are you talking publicly about your big trip this fall yet? Which one? The motherland. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Giannis uh, is going to Latvia. Yeah, end of September. And doing a bunch of Latvian hunting for like two weeks. Like deer? Yeah, they, kind of, they got a lot of stuff there, man. There's, they do. There's moose and stag and beaver. A couple different, yeah, a couple of deer. What's the little? Beaver, lynx. What's the little critter you told me about? Raccoon dog. Raccoon dog. That's you ever heard of this? That it's like a fox and a raccoon had a baby. Like it looks like a coon, but it doesn't climb trees. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I've never even heard of yeah, this thing. Yeah, just Google image it. Um, there's plenty of them on the internet. But if you uh, get a raccoon dog, you got to do another soft mount with it. Bring it back so you can show everybody. Yes. Kids can as get their hands on it. As long as it's not too hard to get it across the Atlantic, I'll bring it bring it home for sure yeah it might not you might not be able to get a CITES export permit for the <laughs> raccoon dog yeah um but yeah but yeah no I'm, I'm looking forward to that and then i'm going caribou hunting in august oh yeah with my bow which i'm that's kind of a bucket list for me for sure did you decide if you're taking a rifle or no, or no? nope no rifle to it. camp yeah we're bringing two bows and uh we'll have our pistols with us and some yeah. bears but nope i'm gonna try i think I've always said when I've been on a caribou hunt that this is the critter that's made for the bow and arrow. If there's one <laughs> yeah. where you're like big game, like it's going to give you some bow opportunities. But I've talked to a few people getting ready for this hunt. And they say uh, it's not a gimme and like mm -hmm. it can be very spooky when you start getting in close. Oh, my experience with caribou. I've never hunted a big migrating herd of caribou. I've always hunted them in sheep country. And my experience is that they're extremely spooky. Mm -hmm. And when they get up and run, they get up and run four mountains away. Yeah. What about caribou? Has you saying that they're good for archery? Uh, just uh, numbers. High density. Uh, yeah, a lot of it. Uh, yeah, just numbers. Yeah. And when they get to like, migrating and stuff, yeah. like wouldn't. Which we're going early enough where we're probably not going to see much migrating, but I still think that 
there's just going to be the numbers where you're like, okay. oh, messed up that group. Let's go try that group. Got it. You know? It's like pronghorn hunting. <laughs> yeah. Just keep moving around. Well, very good, guys. Uh, good job in Colorado. I hope to be as lucky as you. I wasn't this year. I got uh, unsuccessful all again. I'll be there when you do draw it. But I sure hope so. Yeah, and I, I hope I do it like you guys, backpacking into a wilderness area yeah. and killing a proper 12,000-foot bighorn timber ram. Yeah, I killed mine exactly at 12, too. God, it's high up there. Within yeah. a few feet, you know. It's crazy. I've got a 14er in the back of my photo. Like under oh, epic. The 14er. Yeah, that actually brings me to what I want to close with. You did a great job at documenting your hunt with some photos and videos, and what you also did that I never do is you saved it on your Instagram highlight. Yeah, right. So if you want to see Adam's sheep hunt and how it transpired, you can go to his Instagram page, and right there at the top of his profile, he actually has his sheep and his moose hunt archived right there. And it's really well done. It's I'd love going back and watching that. Yeah, at Durango Adam. I'm not a great follow. I don't I don't post too much. But yeah, I know. Those are up there. Private. We're gonna have to turn you public for a while after we after we air this thing, so people can go see it. I'll do it. Uh, yeah, at Durango Adam, and follow that Instagram highlight at the top of the page, and you'll get to get to relive Adam's incredible 2020 sheep and moose hunts in Colorado. Coincidentally, I have the same thing. Do you really? I was going to ask you if you did, but I didn't. I don't know if I had seen yours saved at the top there. Yeah, there's three highlight buttons because there's so much of it. All right, all you lucky listeners out there, go scope out these these epic hunts uh, in a video form on Giannis's, Giannis's Instagram and Adam's Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, guys. See ya. See ya.